Today's Bible reading comes from Luke chapter 24, verses 28 to 53. And if you've got the church Bibles, it can be found on page 1060. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled, and why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet, it is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe it, because of joy and amazement, he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, This is what is written, The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. When he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, He lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. If you um, didn't grab an outline on the way in, um, they're just on the table up the back there. Feel free to grab a Bible and get up if you feel like to do that now. No problems at all if that would be helpful to you. Uh, and the outline is on page 8. I'm going to ask God to help us understand his word and uh, to help us to be bold uh, in our life serving him. Heavenly Father, we give you great thanks for this morning we've already had. It's been a great joy to have the privilege to be here, uh, to see... Uh, Beck's baptism and the transformation you have done in her life. We now consider your word again, the privilege we have each week. We ask now that maybe we can once again be challenged by your word to be bold for mission. 
Amen. Now, sometimes your plans in life to be bold don't go the way you hope. Don't know if that's you, but it's certainly me. When I first started at university, I studied occupational therapy. People know what occupational therapy is? Yes, no? It's pretty much a female profession. I went to an all-boys school. So I went to an all-boys school for my time, start studying occupational therapy, and I think, and I was um, quite a reserved person. I wasn't a very um, outgoing type of person. I didn't have heaps of friends or was the life of the party. I liked to fly under the radar. And I thought, I'm going to university. I'm going to actually be bold. I'm going to make friends. I'm going to talk to lots of people, even females, and I was ready to go. It's uni time. Very first day I turn up, very first person I speak to uh, says to me, uh, hi, are you the guy studying occupational therapy? I said, yeah. So you're the only guy in the whole course doing it. Well, I, you know how sometimes I accidentally crack a high-pitched voice? That was one of the highest yeses ever that I've ever done in my life. And for, instead of being bold and talking to people, I turned, ran and walked away and freaked out for quite a while until I found out there was actually eight guys out of 60 of us and it wasn't as bad as I first thought and it actually some great friends and a great time. But man, all my plans of being bold went out the window completely. I reckon that's a little bit what being bold as a Christian sometimes is like. We want to be, but when it comes to it, it's just for whatever reason hard and we'd struggle with it. What I'd love us to see today, I'd love us to kind of lower the bar a little bit and stir your heart, if your heart hasn't already been stirred today. That's what I want us to do as we think about this topic being bold in mission. Uh, if you're new or visiting today, it's actually, you might think, oh, I'm not really particularly interested in this. And, but actually, if you're intrigued about what matters to Christians... This is actually not a bad topic for it, because what we're actually talking about today is what matters, and that's why we're bold about it, because if this is true, it kind of makes sense to care about it and want others to know about it, if it's, if it's actually what we're saying it is. So if you want to come along with me for 20 minutes or so, let's, let's do this together. But what are we talking about when we talk about bold in mission? Because in this discipleship series, we've been talking about a whole bunch of different things and it's been quite helpful. We've talked, started with grace, God doing everything for us that we don't deserve and being devoted to Jesus, grounded in the Bible, the scriptures, dependent in prayer last week, being generous people in the way we give, all of these things. And now we're talking about mission. What do we mean? Well, to cut the, the short, the, t- the talk short, it's God's plan for people to follow His Son, Jesus. That's what I mean by mission in this context. Being bold in that mission. And so what I want us to do today, as you can see in the outline, I want us to get to the heart of the matter in three ways. I want us just to remember and reflect on the heart of the plan. If we're bold in anything, you're going to be totally bought into what it is that you're bold in. You're going to think, this matters. And so we should remind ourselves of the plan. If we're going to get to the heart of it, we need to think about what's the heart of God's people? 
how do we think and feel? Obviously, it's the plan, but how do we think and feel about it? And if we have a plan, we have thoughts and feelings about it, what is the work of God's people? If we are to be bold, what does it look like? That's what I hope we can do today. And and then at the end of it, I want to just see, um, hopefully we can see what are three ways that we're going to think about that at Grove? That I have mentioned before, but I really want to highlight today. I even want to highlight at our um, AGM afterwards. I'd love all of you to hang around for it if you can, because I think it'll be uh, helpful for you finding out about what's going on for uh, our church. Let's, uh, let's have a look at the first one. The heart of the plan. See, when Jesus came, what was his plan? What did he come to do? Well, you may know that in the Bible, there are four stories of Jesus' life. There are four biographies. And each one of these is very clear on the plan. Maybe focused in a different way, but the one plan is explained each time. Let me just give you a snapshot to see this plan through different passages. I'll put them up on the screen. Hopefully, there we come. In John's Gospel, when John's Gospel started, John spoke about John the Baptist. And when John saw Jesus coming, the guy who was preparing the way for Jesus, what did he say? Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's what Jesus came to do. So, the whole Gospel of John, why was it written? Well, we find out, he actually tells us very blatantly. It says it there, Jesus performed many other signs in in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, that is God's chosen one, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. The plan is believing in Jesus because of what he's done, taking away the sins of the world. Every time we um, share in the Lord's Supper together, communion at church, we, we often remind ourselves about the way Mark talks about the focus of the plan. In, the, in Jesus' biography in Mark, he says right in the middle of it, for the, even the Son of Man, that's how Jesus often refers to himself, the Son of Man, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So that is the plan. Right at the beginning of Mark's Gospel, we find out Jesus come and what kind of words does he enter? Well, we say, one fifteen. the time has come, Jesus said, the kingdom of God has come near Repent and believe the good news. Turn back to me and believe the gospel. That's what good news is, the gospel about him. And so the heart of the plan is that God has a kingdom that's coming. And so Matthew, Mark and Luke really do focus in on the idea of a kingdom of God coming in different ways um, all through their gospels. And so in the, in the, the big biography of Jesus in Matthew, uh, one, of the, one of the bigger ones, we read Jesus... Uh, uh, started his ministry, what did he talk about? What was the central focus? From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Did you get an idea of the plan? And then we get the reading um, that we had today in Luke 24. And this is where I just want us to pause and see this plan just in a little bit more detail. You see, in Luke 24... After Jesus had risen from the dead, revealed himself to many people and disciples, as they kind of had, we saw a little snippet of that uh, today, what we actually see, Jesus says something very significant to them. He says to them, this is what is written. Actually, I'm going to pull it out in my Bible and, uh, and draw it out for us. He says, this is what is written. 
The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name. To all nations, beginning at Jerusalem, you are witnesses of these things. What Jesus said after he died and rose from the dead in Luke's gospel is, this whole book that we now have, and for them, all of the Israel's history, the whole book is actually pointing to him and what he's just done. That's what he tells them. So if we're to understand what life is about according to Jesus, we actually see that it's all pointing towards that he needed to suffer, they needed to die and rise again. And the beauty of God's revelation to us in his word is it is revealed to us in great depth and uh, detail in many different ways, with many different uh, ways of understanding it, like we've seen already, taking away sins, being a ransom, all of these kind of ideas, which is saying that Jesus has died instead of us. He's dealt with what our rejection with God and taken it upon himself even though he was perfect and he was God become flesh, as John says in the beginning of his gospel. That is God's plan, that he himself would deal with our rebellion as Beck so wonderfully shared uh, with us today. That he would suffer, die and rise. That is why Easter is not just a thing that it happened or it didn't happen or whatever, that if it truly happened then all of life is centred around that moment. It's a spectacular thing. But not only does he say that it's all about that and that's about his death and resurrection, Jesus says at the end of Luke's Gospel, he says, and that is so, what happens to my people is that there will be repentance and forgiveness of sins. That kind of Christian-y word, repentance, is a beautiful word because it quite simply means I'm going this way and because of what Jesus has done, I turn around. Repentance is simply turn and go another way, to turn back actually. We've turned away from God and rejected him and repentance because of what Jesus has done means we turn back to God and live for him, serving him. That is the plan. God's people, humanity was made to serve him and we don't, so the plan is to turn back, repent. And for that to happen, our problem with God needs to be dealt with and God forgives us. Forgiveness forgiveness is an extraordinary thing. I'm sure you've had times in your life where you've found it so hard to forgive someone. I'm sure that's the case, as it has been for me. And there's been times when maybe you've desperately needed someone to forgive you and you're not sure whether they will because you can't twist their minds to make it happen. You can only ask for forgiveness. Well, the Lord of all died for us, rose again, and then offers forgiveness to those of us, humanity, who have rejected him far worse than anything that we have done to each other. That is what he's done and that is his plan. And so his plan is, not just that that's what's happened, we see there it says, 
this will be preached in his name, that this will be made known, this will be spoken about like it has been this morning. It is as we open up God's word now. This is going to be known. And it started with God's people of old Israel going to all the nations. And here we are on the other side of the world, 2,000 odd years later, and the gospel of Jesus is being proclaimed to all the nations. That is the very heart of the plan. And if we're a follower of Jesus, we wholeheartedly believe it, and the plan itself stirs us to be bold. The better you know a plan, the better you you know it matters and you're committed to it. In our house, we have this thing with our kids called BLC. Every day after school, BLC. Bag, put away. Lunchbox, put in the kitchen and unpacked. Clothes changed. We have a scale of success with BLC. But Fridays, we have better success. Do you know why? Because the kids know the plan on Friday. Friday is movie night. And they know when it's movie night, it's not happening unless BLC has happened and actually a couple extra things as well. And so it, I, the percentage of Fridays compared to the rest of the week, yeah, Fridays work better because they know the plan. The more and more we spend time understanding the beauty and the great detail and the way the whole Bible is one story of God's plan of beautiful creation to our rejection of God and to his plan of turning us back to him and saving us through Jesus, the more we are brought into it. That's why we don't stop getting into the beauty and the depth of the Bible because that's what stirs us to be bold. So there's the plan. The second one is the heart of his people. This is one, if you've been coming to grow for a while, you know that um, I get um, a little bit excited about a particular passage in the Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, because, because of this plan, we know what it's about. We know it's about love. God's not doing that for us if he does not love us in ways that we only just touch on understanding. That is why we've shaped our church as a way of helping frame us by Christ's love compels us, as we read into um, Corinthians. Let's read 2 Corinthians 5, just 11 to 15. Um, here we go. Naomi, if you can just follow through as I read, read through it, that'd be helpful. Thank you. Verse 11, since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others. What we are is plain to God and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than in what is in the heart. If we are out of our mind, as some say, it's for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. You see how being convinced of what Jesus has done means we are compelled by his love for us to love others. It's what drives our boldness. It's the rudder, like on a boat, that sends the boat in its direction is God's love. 
This is real love. This is love that all of us, all of us should embrace. But it's worthwhile us realizing that we need to have clarity at what's at stake. Because this is what God uh, reminds us. In John 3, just after that, it's famous verses about God so loves the world that he gives his one and only son. Whoever believes in him has life. There is this great reminder of actually the state we are before God in John 3, 35, 36. And it's pretty heavy. Oh, I, I missed the whole section. Did I? Did I not put it in there? That's unfortunate. Let me read it to you. Let me read it to you. John three thirty six. We read... The Father loves the Son and has placed everything in His hands. Whoever believes the Son has eternal life. But whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. That's serious words. But that's because Jesus has come to say, the offer of love that I have through the cross is for everyone. But we have a problem. And so Jesus spends a lot of time talking about the problem to help us have clarity on how desperately we need him. Imagine if um, one of my daughters, Chloe, cracked her tooth, as she has recently, and cracked her tooth, and she says to me, Dad, my tooth is killing me. Can, can I get someone to help me with, with, with the tooth? And I say, no, no, that's all right. And in tears she says, Dad, Dad, is there anyone who can fix it? And I'm, no, no, not no, not really. Is there is there like a tooth kind of doctor person? No, no, I don't think so. I just see need someone to give me something for the pain, Dad. It's really hurting me. Maybe, maybe a filling. Have you? I've just got this idea that maybe you get fillings for your teeth. Do you know if anyone can do that? And I, at every point, just say, "There's no nothing that can fix it." That would not be a good idea as a dad, because there is someone. You can fix it. And I would you'd never do that. But here is a God and Lord of all saying there's a problem. And I want you to see the problem because I'm gonna fix it for you. And so he wants us to have clarity. So the heart of his people is to have clarity and to be compelled by love. And so when we see the plan, we see that our heart is for the uh, Christ's love that compels us. What is the work of his people? Well, quite simply, God has given us the privilege to be part of the work. He could have done it in all sorts of ways, but he wants us as his people to be part of it. If you can find Matthew 28, uh, Naomi, if that's there, I'll flick that up for us. Thank you. In the end of Matthew's gospel, it's beautifully put, where it says, uh, Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus says, Go, make. It's not now just embrace my love in some kind of wishy washy, all over me kind of sensation. It's, as my disciples, you go and make disciples. That's why Christians actually care about 
having opportunities to offer the gospel. Disciples making disciples or followers of Jesus making followers of Jesus. This is what we see. It's what's happened today. As many people have worked in Beck's life and to the point where Andrew met Beck and invited her here and many wonderful people have uh, shared with Beck to help her work it through. Our discipleship series, this whole series is about us understanding, not that we should believe in God, but he wants us to live for him and what that looks like. But the work of his people at the very heart for all of his people is to be co-workers in the gospel. In 2 Corinthians 6 verse 1, we are co-workers. And before that, we're described as ambassadors. If we've got uh, 2 Corinthians 19 up here, it says, God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. The Apostle Paul who's writing that is saying, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. He's saying to the Corinthian church, that is the message that you are to give out. We want people to turn back to God. And so all of us, the work of his people, consider ourselves to be ambassadors with a message. That's what the gospel drives us to. So as we... I could spend ages talking about it. I love this topic, right? As you probably tell. But I just want us to kind of finish today and kind of framing it in a way that I really hope we start to talk about and becomes in more and more built into kind of our DNA. Uh, maybe for you today, wherever you're at with God, at least you can see the clarity of why Christians really care about Jesus because of what he's offering. And it's really worthwhile investigating it. That's why we have our life course that's on the cards and uh, that we, we can really um, think about that and coming on Sundays and wrestling with it. We can be bold because of what we've heard. And so I said at the beginning today, often when you talk about these topics, um, if you've been to church for any period, you think, oh, here we go again. Now I just got to tell people more about Jesus and now I feel bad because I can't do it and all this kind of thing. I don't want to talk like that. I want us to kind of lower the bar to get more involved. And there's three ways I think is uh, uh, hopefully helpful for us to think about it. We want to be able to share our story Invite people when we have the opportunities and welcome. Those three things, every single follower of Jesus, and so us at Grove, should be totally on board with. See, to share our story, I think actually something that's missing for Christians is that we're not caught up with actually our society at the moment loves stories, true stories, love telling them. There's even TV shows now where they tell them in silly ways to make jokes, right? We love stories, but we have not developed the way of actually thinking about our story. Beck did that beautifully for us today and it was profound and amazingly helpful. We all should think about that and consider that. That's why on the back of our... Um, our books, we often have testimonies. Uh, Beck gave a little uh, question and answer. This time, sharing, getting to know our stories, thinking about it. And so I want us to be passionate more and more about thinking about our story, about how Jesus has saved us, where it is that my life needed to be turned around and being willing to share it when the opportunity comes out. We can do that more together and it's for all of us. 
And I think we can devote time to this. I, I want you to hear from me. I'm really committed and passionate about us all getting better at that, including myself. So when someone speaks to you, is there something that you can speak into that? It's not about being an amazing um, person talking about Jesus all the time or being bold in a way that your personality just can't do. It's about being able to share and having a, a heart to do that because we know the plan. And so we want to have more and more opportunities at Grove. We've had a lot in our first kind of 18 months. One thing that I've been working on and thinking about uh, that I want to mention to you now is, um, and next week we'll um, uh, really kind of even launch it more, I think there should be an image for it up there, um, uh, Naomi, uh, the Christmas in July slide, hopefully. Yeah, there it is. What we are going to do in the last Saturday night in July, we are going to have Christmas in July. We're going to have, and this is not just for us to get together and have a great time, which it will be. Um, This is an event in which we're going to have a three-course Christmas meal. We're going to have um, great entertainment, some music. Um, I'm going to share a little bit in in a way that will be kind of woven into the the time, uh, the first week of our life course about why Jesus is what life's about. And it's an event to invite people to come along to. We're going to have the roast from, remember our weekend together last year? If you were here for that, we're having the exact same kind of lamb on a spit as part of it. But what we're doing this year is you're not running it. We're going to try and make it happen without us thinking about, I've got to do all this stuff for this event. The only thing that I want you to do is to have this mindset, to be able to pray for it, to think about who you can invite. Whether they come or not, doesn't matter. But actually, and then when you come, to be welcoming to those that do come. And so that we can have such a wonderful time and give people opportunities. I'm really looking forward to that event. We're going to run that um, uh, and it's going to come up. And next week we'll really kind of launch into all the details about it. But it's just a really, um, just another way, another small way in which we can have an opportunity uh, to enjoy um, uh, sharing Jesus. And I think it's an event that we can really invite this school to in which I think we may be able to pick up some families to come along to who have, who have kind of turned up every now and then. We're running out of time, but I do want to mention the last two. See, with that is, I think we should all think about, if we love this message, we want to invite people. Um, there's uh, this company, McCrindle Research, an Australian research company. They do a lot of research on what spirituality and religion. And they've actually did, did a study a little while ago, I couldn't find it, where they actually realised that more people in Australia would actually come to a church like this if they were just simply asked by their family or friends or relatives. We're not talking crazy numbers, all we've got to do is ask, but actually quite a few people said, oh, I've never been asked, but I'd come. I'd check it out at least once. Isn't that interesting? What's there to lose to invite someone? They may not like it. They can say no, that's okay. And I can honestly say, as your pastor, I'm not good at it. But... That doesn't stop me. And so I want you to hear is I don't want it to stop you either. Do you think today that Beck is thankful that Andrew shared and just said, why don't you come to church? I don't think she was very help, uh, appreciative of everything else Beck and Matt said in the car on the way here. <laughs> God works the spiders as well. Um, but that's the point, right? You just share. 
And then we pray and we do it and let God do what he does. And that's why Christmas in July can be that. And we are welcoming church. Not just through the door here, and hopefully you feel that as you come today, whether you've been here lots of times or hardly at all. But we welcome people as they come into our community. If they're wanting to be more and more part of it, into our lives in different ways. It might be a conversation. It might be to getting to know them really well. Your families may connect or you may have a re- get to know them in, in, a, in a new and profound way. Or you may just have this nice relationship as you serve with them on Sunday. It can be all sorts of ways that people feel part of the community because we're expressing Christ's love. It's just who we are. But that doesn't just happen. We're intentionally passionate about it. We share, we invite, and we welcome. I can't see, as I reflect this week on God's plan for the world, how we could not all, if we love Jesus, be passionate about that. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, We give you great thanks that we have life in your Son. We just pray that you'll give us more boldness, that we'll see Jesus, be able to share our story, invite people and welcome them. We thank you for everything you've done for us in him. Amen.